Hey everybody, Clint Fossley here from the Broco.life podcast and my word do we have a doozy for you here today. Episode 3 is with a friend of mine and kite surfing legend Ben Wilson, uh, all about what his why is and where his passion is. For those who know, Ben is a very unassuming, humble guy, he's a great family man, but you put him in the water and the biggest waves in the world, he turns into an absolute monster and dominates at everything that he does. Uh, this podcast is all about Ben's passion and how he's always forged his life and his whole career uh, through his absolute love for the ocean and, and, and staying true to himself and staying true to his, his why and and if it's net feel right, walking away from some pretty lucrative deals just to just to stay true to himself. So uh, I've, I've got to know Ben over, literally met him as I got divorced, which is a bit, bit uh, surreal in a way, but got to know him over the, bit, the two and a bit years that that's happened and learned so much about him. Uh, in this podcast that I that I find inspirational and and uh, there are a lot of amazing messages in there for everyone that if you if you do put your mind to something and you want to do it then screw what anyone else says you can do it so uh, strap in enjoy yourself and here we go Hello, everybody, and welcome to the third edition of the Broco.life podcast, and today we are joined by a friend of mine and kitesurfing legend, Ben Wilson. Ben, welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. <laughs> I hope you're glad to know. For those watching on YouTube, I'm, I'm swagged up. I hope you noticed. I, representing. Representing I like the that. BWS and always always hounding and Ben, and he gets a slightly fearful every time I'm in his garage trying to steal boards and kites and the various toy things we have. So uh, before we get into Ben and Ben's story, I just wanted to introduce what we're trying to do here with the the why series um and, and why i asked ben to come on the podcast when i did ask him he got a look of fear in his face thinking like shit what do i know about divorce but it was more about his passion and his love for the ocean and how he's forged a successful career about that so you know the the the, the, the sort of the main fundamental and the core of the the program of broker life philosophy is your why and the best way of you know the way i say what is how do you know what your why is uh, for guys, it's like, well, what does makes your balls tingle, right? For me, it's the ocean. For Ben, it's the ocean. For some guys, it's hiking. For some guys, it's gardening. For some guys, it's model trains. But your passion and having a passion when suddenly you've got all this spare time on your side is so important to help you recover, um, but also just be a happy human being, right? Um, I think it's so, so sort of, it was so good that Ben came on because a couple of weeks ago, I probably had my toughest day as a single dad, uh, as a very grumpy human being driving or foiling had like a foil, which for those who don't know what foiling is, I'll put a clip up in the show notes. But within an hour of just following my passion and something I absolutely love, I was probably the, the most stoked and happiest dude in the Sunshine Coast. So it's so, so important. Yeah, you saw that firsthand, my brother. Yeah, the the trip on the way down to our foiling session, you and the car was a whole <laughs> lot different to the way back. <laughs> you know, there, there wasn't any high fives on the way down. Eh? Yeah, I was grumpy, but, but that's, that's why it's so important. So let's get over to Ben. So Ben, for obviously, you know, as an ocean nut, I know who you are. For, for those non-ocean people, just a little bit about yourself and, and what do you do? Yeah, well, I, I think you best explained it. I just absolutely love the ocean. have done since a really young age and I've really tried to forge everything around what I do in life. Um, yeah, something to do with the ocean and a, a vehicle or a way to get in the ocean. Um, above and beyond that, my family and friends yep. and everything are, are super important to me and just really sort of living life um, to the fullest. And you do a damn good job at that, I can say. So if you, if you want to FOMO envy, check out Ben's uh, Instagram feed. It's really, really cool. Um, so just your early days, you know, finding the ocean. For me, I was lucky enough, my folks had a beach house and were given a surfboard when I was six. What's your story? When did you find the ocean? I mean, I know you're a mad keen fisherman as well. So, so when did that connection come and when did you sort of realize that, like, wow, this is my thing? Yeah, I was, I was super fortunate when I was young. I grew up on a small coastal country town just south of Sydney and pretty much everything that we'd done revolved around the ocean. I learned to surf when I was eight years old and that was kind of like my biggest thing when I was, when I was young. But before that, I was really into fishing. I was really fortunate that my dad worked for Qantas. Oh, Nice. And he used to take me all around the world <laughs> from a really young age to all these amazing surfing spots. Yeah. And um, 
that was really my inspiration to try and figure out the path in life that yep. would allow me to continue to do that. And, and what age did you start? I mean, can you remember that first trip when you, when you sort of went to Indo for the first time or wherever that was that you just, you know, your eyes lit up? For me, it was going to Jeffrey's Bay, which is a bit more local. But when, when was your first memory of that like, epic trip? Yeah, I, I remember it as clear as day, actually. I was in, it was my first trip to Bali. Yeah. And I was eight years old. <laughs> Nuts. And my dad, he's, you know, been surfing his whole life, so he taught me and he yeah. gave me a few lessons and stuff and won the beach in, in Kuda, um, which is part of Bali. And I thought I knew it, you know, knew it all after <laughs> a, a couple of lessons off him. And I remember just going out there and it was a dead low tide and the waves were breaking really hard on the beach yeah. and I just got absolutely flogged. <laughs> and I've never been so scared in my life, but I just felt so exhilarated and I knew at that moment yeah. that you know, I'm going to surf the rest of my life. Yeah. The ocean is where I need to be. Because Cuda gets super sucky and dumpy. I mean, I've been there once or twice where it's a pretty knotty sort of shore break setup. Yeah, it was just one of those days. And um, it probably wasn't that big, but to me it yeah. felt huge. But it was just right on the beach and it got me good. <laughs> <laughs> so did you, I mean, from a surfing level, did you start going the competitive route? Or how did you do it from a young age? Were you sort of surfing for the local club or... What is your passion? Did you, you know, I mean, for, my, for me in school, it was a lot of rugby, but that's a South African thing. Were you playing other sports or was it just surfing? Yeah, it's funny. Like, I'm a super competitive person by nature. And initially, when I first started surfing, yep. I really wanted to compete. Yep. But I think I was doing it for the wrong reasons. I thought it was, like, cool and, you know, whatever. And I, and I did compete for a few years. And I wasn't, like, really good enough, I would say, uh, or passionate enough about uh, competing you know like on a bigger level than with my board riders or whatever yeah um but I figured out that you know like my involvement in surfing wasn't about doing it competitively it was about traveling around the world and finding the best surf waves and stuff yep. like that and it took me a few years to figure that out but once I was sort of honest with myself in that respect it um you know sent me on an amazing journey with surfing so the, the first part I knew about your story via the the, the grapevine right was was that you became a chef and you were a chef on the motor, I think it was at the time. Um, but, you know, you told me the reasoning behind being a chef, which I thought was pretty cool as well. I just want to go into that now post-school of where, where, you know, how that decision happened and what your motivation behind that was. Yeah, well, school actually plays a little bit of a role in this. I never really connected well with school. I wasn't, you know, one yep. of those kids that was excited to go to school. <laughs> I wanted to go surfing every day. <laughs> I and, have three um, children like that. <laughs> and at the time, and I'm not sure if it's changed now, but I think it was around 15 and a half or 16, you were actually allowed to leave school. Yeah. So that year 10-ish? Yeah, it was, it was year nine or 10, just yeah. depending on, on your age. And um, so I knew that. Yeah. And, and, I said, and, I, and I said to my parents, I'm like, I, as soon as I can get out of the school, yeah. I'm out. Yeah. And they're like, okay. You can leave school once you've got an apprenticeship or you've got something to go to, but you're not allowed to leave before then because you actually had to get your parents' permission as well at the time. And um, they told me, so I said this to them one day because I just turned the age that I knew that I was allowed to leave. And I came home the next day. I'm like, I've got a chef's apprenticeship. (laughs) And they were just like, what? (laughs) And uh, for me, it was the best thing ever. I I mean, I was really connected to cooking. I loved it. Um, but I also saw it as the ultimate vehicle to be able to travel around yeah. the world. Everyone's got to eat. Yeah. And, you know, you can go to so many cool places that I'd love to work at that yeah. have surf. Sweet. So for me, I just rolled straight into that and never looked back. And how long was that apprenticeship? Well, the apprenticeship was actually, so here in Australia, it's four years. Okay. And um, that's technical college and you need to work for four yeah. years or whatever. So is that through the TAFE system here? Yes. Yeah. Yep, through the TAFE system. But... Um, I'm always trying to find the grey area of everything in life in a good way. I mean, yeah. um, I was dodgy, like, dodgy South African. <laughs> I've got to be able to do this quicker than four years. Yeah. Uh, so I went to my technical college and said, "Hey, you know, what are my options?" And they said, "Well, you can, you know, work double this, do that, whatever, and get some more experience." So I spent a whole year working a chef's apprenticeship and um, also a pastry apprenticeship, and also working on my days off to bring my time down and I yep. got it completed in three years. Nice. So well it was done. pretty cool. So was this all back in your hometown, South of Sydney or, or where were you based at that time? Yeah, I was based there and I was working there and I had multiple jobs there, but I'd travel to Wollongong 
which is just near Sydney, to do all the okay. the culinary school. And were you were you managing in that time to get in the water, or was it just burning the candle at every single end just to get to that end goal? I always managed to get in the water, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it was. I, I remember one uh, one summer in particular, which is our busy time down there. I was working like eleven thirty to two thirty. Uh, split shift and then like uh, 4.30 till 9.30 yeah. uh, each day. Then I would go home and sleep until 1.30. Then I'd get up at 1.30, go and do my pastry um, schooling and chefing. And uh, I'd finish that about 7.30 in the morning. And that Crazy. was insane. But I mean, you know, I got it done. Yeah, it's a year, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, and then what is your first opportunity out of that? Did you, did you go where you needed to be? Was that when you found Fiji or was that... Was that- yeah, so my plan was the day I got my certificate yeah. <laughs> that I was going to jump on a plane yeah. and um, hit a bunch of my favorite spots like Hawaii yeah. uh, was number one, then the US, then the UK, and I was going to end up um, in Fiji yeah. for a month because my dad knew his best mate had an island over there. Yeah. And so I basically took some time off work, done that round trip, ended up in Fiji, and I was there for a month. And was supposed to be there for a month. I ended up leaving four years later. <laughs> <laughs> Nuts. And was this on Nomotu? This was on Nomotu. Okay. Yes. So for those who know Ben, he's a very, very close connection with Nomotu. And we'll get to that later in terms of how you link to the island. Yeah. Before you, before you ended up in Fiji, um, and this is the surfer in me asking, <laughs> and all the travel you did with the dad, what was the pinnacle for you? Because for me, sitting in South Africa... Hawaii and the North Shore, obviously through all the videos that we used to trickle feed in, was the place I always wanted to go. Mm. Did you did you resonate with someone else before you found Fiji, or had you been to Fiji, or where else did you really connect with? Um, I I'd been to Fiji one time before, but I think I sort of resonate with two things um, majorly, like with the surfing travel thing, is that, and that's the journey of the yeah. trip, okay, and then also the waves that you get. Okay, so they for me they kind of go hand in hand, um, and I really I don't really felt like I was connected to any one place um, because I just loved every place. Yeah. And I mean, my dad would come and pull me out of school on a Wednesday and go, "Hey, I've got this flight you know, to Tahiti. You, you want to come?" And I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" And I'm just boom straight out. So I had a lot of that, yeah. and it was not just the surfing; it was the journey just too. Experience, yeah. And then, but when I got to Fiji, something you know, really quick for me there. Yeah. It was the people, the, I just felt really connected and I was like, okay, this is my second home. Nice. And without even probably, you know, consciously thinking that in the beginning, it just ended up that way. Yeah. So I, I think I'm never going to put in that hashtag dad of the year based on, <laughs> based on your dad's street cred at the moment. Well, it depends, like, which, nuts, uh. depends which way you look at it because, you know, like I'm definitely make my kids go to school. Yeah. <laughs> but I feel like yeah, I learned... I <laughs> I learned so much traveling, yeah. uh, just life, street yep. experience versus, you know, educational experience, let's say, uh, in school. And for me and, you know, like my personality, that's where I really learned. I didn't learn at school. I mean, that's what, before we, we came on camera, I was saying to you, all I want to do with my spare dollars is travel with my kids, right? Mm. Like, just give them those experiences because it's just for them seeing other cultures, seeing how other people live, just the... You know, I always make them fend for themselves when they travel, and which is fun when you're in Tokyo. Yeah, it was nuts. Well, it just puts stuff in perspective, and yeah. you learn so much about yourself. Yeah, you know, like what you do like, what you don't like, yeah. and um, what you can and can't handle. I learned that my little eight-year-old gets hangry, so we, we, we learned that in Japan. So we were on a ski lift, and she's fine, and suddenly she just went feral, and the evilest yeah. child in the world. Yeah, put something in her, and she was happy again. <laughs> so that, oh, that's a key takeaway. So if she's yeah. ever misbehaving, that's why. So so. Now you landed up in, in, in Fiji for four years. Were you, were you, when, did the, when did the kiting thing link? Now, from my understanding, uh, you know, you, you're one of the first people that took a strapless surfboard and a kite and made mm. it a sport. Was that during that four years or did that come later? Yeah, it was in those four years. So, so how did that happen? I mean, so originally I was supposed to be there for a month yeah. and my responsibility at that time was to uh, take people fishing yep. and take them surfing. And... Um, I began doing that, but it sort of evolved into all these other things. And um, the kitchen at the time in Fiji, uh, or what they were delivering food-wise, yeah. let's say, was uh, below par. Yeah. And so I went to them after being there for two years and said, "Hey, look, why don't you guys let me jump in the kitchen? I'll manage it, train everyone, 
obviously I've just come out of an apprenticeship, but I was super confident and kind of, you know, <laughs> winded a little bit. But um, proof when you're younger. <laughs> yeah, I was like, hey, you know, give me a run at this. I think I can, you know, create, yep. you know, like a really good foundation here for yep. you guys moving forward. So they did. And a year into that, which was the third year that I was there, yeah, um, the, all the crew from Maui who had just started kite surfing came down and taught me and got me into it. And um, I spent that next year learning how to kite surf. And then um, I had this moment of clarity when I was there, and I was like, okay, this is actually my thing. Yeah. You know, this is what's you know going to take me on my journey for the rest of my life. So I want to go and you know do it you know professionally. But during that time, I actually learnt on a surfboard which didn't exist in kiting. Yeah. So I was just taking one of my normal surfboards and using it with the kite. And um, I learned that way, but then I quickly progressed into uh, traditional kite surfing, which is twin like tip. a twin tip board yep. or whatever. And so I went and done that for five years professionally all around oh, the world. Wow. I never knew that. And I uh, didn't think about my surfboard again after that. But I uh, got to a point where I was yeah. like, this isn't really me, you know, like yeah. I'm going to all these amazing places around the world, yeah. but I'm taking these little boards and I'm not going surfing. Yeah. I want to go surfing. And I was at a real crossroads there. And, and then one day myself and a couple of mates grabbed our surfboards and had a go. And I just went, you know, just light switch moment. I'm like, this is it. And were you at Cloudbreak at the time or? No, I wasn't in Fiji at the not. time. Yeah. So, so when did you, when did the, I guess the, the money start coming in? Were you realizing that dream, right? Of when you're a grommy coming through, it's like, okay, I'm going to get paid to surf or kite. When, you know, in the early days of, of the twin to pro touring was, you know, we, were you sponsored when they stopped carrying you? Like, so I guess when was it like, shit, I'm actually getting paid to travel around the world to surf or to kite? Yeah. Did that happen during those four years? It actually um, happened straight away. And, and let me tell you the reason why. Um, first <laughs> of all, I'm super passionate and driven yeah. and know what I want. Yeah. And I just do whatever it takes, you know, to get to that point. So I had that side. Yeah. So I was like, hey, I'm going to be a professional kite surfer. I'm going to leave Fiji. Yeah. I'm going to go and get sponsored. I'm yeah. going to travel around the world and I'm going to compete and I'm going to do all this amazing stuff. And um, I was just, you know, hell bent on that. And yeah. that was going to happen. But at the same time, kiting just blew up. Yeah. So I got into it, I would say, at the perfect time when companies were looking for riders and there was all this opportunity and I just rolled into it and I call it like the heyday. And I had about five to seven years of that. Yeah. Um, so a year after I started kiting, I was getting paid a really good salary um, <laughs> plus getting flown all around the world you know, to, do, to do this kiting thing. Um, and it just evolved and yep. progressed and, um, you know, I really loved the business side of all this stuff as well. Yep. So that was a huge part of, you know, it being successful. For me so who, who were you writing for in those early days? I had a number of sponsors, but I had, uh, two sponsors in particular, one that I'm still sponsored by yep. to this day, which is to kind, yep. they're an amazing, um, accessory brand in this the stuff, US. This stuff works, their, man. This stuff is unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And I just nice. yeah. love that company to death. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, one of the original kite brands, Slingshot Kiteboarding, okay. uh, which is also based in the US. Um, and I, would there, I was their um, main team rider for 10 years and nice. had an unbelievable experience with them. Wow. Incredible journey. They looked after me so well. Um, but at that 10-year period, it was time for me to evolve to the next thing. So obviously that's, once again, another crossroads, right? So you, you're living the dream and you, you know, you're traveling the world, but you're looking at your surfboard going, should I actually want to do this? Which probably for you at the time meant, well, I'm not going to get paid for it anymore. Was that was that something that you you had to consider, or were you just like, you know what, I'm, I've been there, done that, achieved what I wanted to achieve. Now I'm going to a different path. Or, or what is the decision tree there? I think around that time, probably one of the biggest life lessons I learned was um, being honest with yourself. Yeah. In terms of um, believing in what you do, do what you love. And don't compromise that because there are no limits. You can do whatever you want. And so I was at a crossroads of going, hey, I'm getting, you know, like paid all this money. I'm traveling around the world. I've got an amazing life and everything, but I wasn't doing exactly what I love to do. Yep. And uh, I, I had to take a moment to get clarity on that and really understand that. And I was at the point where um, if the surf thing didn't show up at that point, um, I don't know where my path would have led. But I was, hey, I'm not going to do this anymore yeah. because I'm not doing it for the right reasons. Yep. For me, it doesn't matter how much money I have, where I'm going, what I'm doing, unless I absolutely love doing it and I'm passionate about yep. it. Because otherwise, I'm not going to be my best self. Truth. 
so about that yeah yeah so i was i was like okay this has been an amazing journey and i've learned so much yeah but i'm being sponsored and paid by all these brands and if i keep moving forward i'm not doing the right thing by them and yeah. i'm not doing the right thing by myself so just i guess throwing something in for the twin tippers out there um out of all the locations you traveled for for as a from a twin tip you know i guess trick perspective what are like top three that you can think of are just epic places to go the first one for me is Cape Hatteras yeah. in, um, in South Carolina. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's just the, it's like your dream park, yeah. basically. It's just amazing flat water, great winds, uh, good people. Um, and that was, you know, just an incredible place for me to go every year, which I was doing uh, here in Australia. Western yeah. Australia is amazing. Yeah. Um, and then I'd say probably just a little bit of everywhere else in the world would be my third choice. I just... Love the experience of going somewhere new. Did you ever get down to Cape Town and Langawan from a twin tip perspective? Actually, I missed uh, the twin tip um, era, let's say, oh, yeah. yeah. But uh, since then, I've been there surfing yeah. and kite surfing and amazing. It's nuts. Amazing. Huh? Yeah, it was unbelievable. But I know probably to this day, uh, I haven't experienced it myself, but the twin tip riders, they yeah. go there and they, I'd say probably nine out of 10 of them will say it's the best place in the world. Yeah. I mean that, that, that Red Bull King of the Air that they do is just incredible. Nuts. It's, it's, yeah. it's nuts to watch that. That's scary to watch it, that. It is, it is scary. <laughs> so if you know what they're doing, it's scary to watch that. It's yeah. absolutely crazy. Yeah. So when, when you, when you went the surfboard path, um, you know, for me sitting in Cape Town, I remember watching those early films that you guys, Dirty South and Dirty West or whatever it was, which were really, really epic things to yeah. watch. Was was that, how did that come about? Right? Was that your path to the, the surfboard way? Or, because from my knowledge, there wasn't a competitive tour. There wasn't a world tour. It wasn't, yeah. it was just exhibition <clears throat> events. So how did that, how did your strategy from a twin tip rider to a, to a strapless surfboard rider happen? What is your plan? Yeah. So, uh, one day, my, we grabbed our surfboards and yeah. put them up with the kite, and it worked. Light bulb moment. So where were you? Uh, I was here in Australia, actually, yeah. on the Sunshine Coast at nice. Maroochydore Rivermouth. Crazy. Okay. Yeah, it's crazy. And another friend of, my, of mine had just done it, and he called me, a Brazilian guy, yeah. Mauricio Abreu. And he's like, I just rode my surfboard. you got to try it. So I grabbed my surfboard, went down with my friends. I tried it, and I'm like, oh, my God. You know, like, this is it. <laughs> And um, from that moment, I, I still remember so clearly that day. I'm like, okay, I, I've got to do two things. I've got to create products for this. Yeah. And I need to showcase this to everybody else. And there wasn't one moment I was thinking about, um, you know, new career path, money, yeah. um, you know, all those business things. I was just like, I've had the best time of my life riding this surfboard yeah. and I need to share this with surfers. Other people need to know that you can do this. And so that was my whole driving factor. Yeah. And I think subconsciously, I didn't know that then. Now yeah. I know that. Yeah. But back then I was coming from, I was doing this for the right reasons. Yeah. It wasn't like, oh, okay, I see a business opportunity right here. I'm going to capitalize on that. Yeah. Which I'm not saying that's, you know, you're doing something for the, for the wrong reason by doing that. Yeah. What I'm saying is, my my place was hey i just need to get this out there and i need to share it with people because yeah. i'm having so much fun and i want people to feel the same way so so before we get in the path of how you chose to do that just from a from from dealing with the, the naysayers so to speak now i started to learn how to kite what 18 months ago here on the coast and i as a long-time surfer i cannot understand why surfers don't do it because you've got all the speed you want you can get any wave you want you can man turn as much as you want you can get air and you don't have any crowds. So it's illogical to me, but I know a lot of sort of core surfers, shortboarders don't even want to look at it. Yeah. So how did you deal with that? Obviously there was resistance because you were leading the edge and pushing the envelope. How did you, I mean, you must've got a lot of that resistance in the early days. Yeah, I'd already gone through that whole process in terms of my personal experience yeah. when I first got into kiting. Okay. Okay. So you're right. I, when I was growing up, I was a surfer. Yeah. Shortboard only. Everything else sucked. <laughs> Didn't matter what else you did, you know, like you sucked. Yeah. And um, I, I was there, you know, like your surfers are so narrow-minded. Yeah. It, it cracks me up and it breaks my heart, you yeah. know, like at the same time. But they are so narrow-minded. And it wasn't until, um, and, and I'm not saying this is the case for every surfer, but for me, it wasn't until I could be completely honest with myself yeah. and didn't give a shit about what my friends thought. Yeah. As long as I was happy and doing what I loved. And that's when I... Uh, started kiting 
because you know like kiting to surfers you were cool you're a yeah, coo, yeah. you know you sucked <laughs> you know but I, I got over that barrier yeah. and i kept going i was just like you know this thing is amazing i'm gonna do it i don't care what you yeah. think and um so with the whole evolution of going from you know twin tip or whatever onto surfboard i'd already been through that process <laughs> you've been through the ring already so, so it didn't yeah. bother me and for me you know like i've always grown up in life um especially with kite surfing um you know like i'm, I'm a 50 50 guy you can do one thing and um uh, one guy will be like that was the worst thing i've ever seen another guy can be like that's the best thing i've ever seen yeah. you know you're gonna have the lovers and the haters so i've all, through my career i've seen so much of that and I always just, as long as I'm coming from the right place, I'm being honest and I'm doing, you know, what's right for me and what I believe in, yeah. then I don't care, you know, what anybody else, you know, thinks and I don't ever live my life that way. Yeah. I mean, the thing is as well, I mean, you obviously, had a, the, the eye's going to be a lot firmer on you as a professional athlete than someone like me who's just a, you know, computer nerd, so to speak. Mm. But my theory is if I can be in the water 24-7, you know, if it's small, we're foiling. We'll get into that later. If it's good ways where we live, there's not many good ways. The wind's blowing, I'll do this. If it's not doing, I'll do something else. It's like, why would you limit yourself not to have the opportunity to play? Like That's that, a lot. Like, I, 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 I'm stoked on everything. And, you know, it's just now that, you know, we've found foiling, which I said we'll get to later. But it's like literally there's not a single day that we can't be in the ocean. You know, it's just basically energy and children that get in the way. Yeah, I mean, it's a life lesson right there above and beyond just being in the water every day. It's right, it's why limit yourself with anything in life? Yeah. Just keep your mind, your mind and your eyes open. Never say never. Like I never, ever say never because you just don't know how you feel in two years time or five years time about yeah. something. And um, yeah, just just keep your eyes open and, and, and don't limit yourself. Yeah, what I say to my kids every day, they said, Dad, I can't do this. And I said, well, if you think you can, you think you can't, you're absolutely right. I get the shits with me. But it's like, yeah, you just, you know, if you think you can do it, you can do it. Yeah, I mean, one of my biggest driving forces in life is, you know, like we're starting the brand and everything. You know, people are like, you can't do that. You're going to, you know, lose all your money or, you know, whatever it is. That just drives me. Yeah. You know, like, not because I want to show them that they're wrong, but just that to show that anything's possible. But if you have that deep belief within inside you, you know, you, you, you just know. Yeah. Like I just know certain things that I've done in, in my life and, and you know, even this venture, like I'm starting up now, like I just know it's right. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people are like, who are you and why are you and why are you? And I'm like, I just know it's right. And like, screw everyone else. I'm just going to go for it, right? Intuition. Yeah. You know, like if I, I've always said with my kite surfing brand, as long as I love it and yeah. I'm passionate about it, it'll always work. As soon as I lose that, yep. then that's potentially when it won't, you know, keep moving forward. So pivoting back, yeah, you got a surfboard, you figured it out, you wanted to get it out. What is your strategy, and, and how did you do that? I've no idea how I did that. <laughs> <laughs> I was just, I was just. Well, fortunate I had a lot of experience um, from Slingshot, yeah. who was my ten-year sponsor. Not just on being a team rider, but also the business side of things, um, which I think is a fifty-fifty thing too. Yep. In that type of career being a professional athlete you can have all the talent in the world but unless you've um you know like got a good business sense how are you going to get it out there you know like how are you going to work with companies it's kind of like you create the best product in the world but unless you've got distribution what's the point if nobody knows about it who knows i mean and and these are days before you know social media before smartphone so it was the movie era right that's how you that was probably your only channel or exhibitions or yeah yeah but i mean like i learned um, a lot about uh, how to develop products, uh, the R&D side of it, you know, manufacturing and distributing and all that sort of stuff because that interests me, um, which is, you know, like a really important part of it. But at the time too, um, there wasn't social media, which I all, fit, all um, I guess I'd say I probably think that was easier in the past, yeah. you know, because you could just work on one project yeah. and, you know, like have a big campaign around it now. But um, right now, probably because I'm not socially that excited about <laughs> posting online and, and whatever. Um, I'm not that great at it yeah. just because I'd rather be on the water than yeah. tapping away on my phone. But I felt like I could really indulge and work hard on a project yeah. in the form of a movie, which I think I've made maybe uh, 10 movies wow. um, throughout my career. And how, how long was that filming? I mean, that filming for typically, you know, just choose one movie. Is it a six-month project, three-month project, budget? How did that all work back in the day? Yeah, it's kind of different uh, depending on what the project is. Um, I made a series of movies where we were doing uh, like a, 
I guess like a bit more of a reality trip, you know, yep. like a couple of weeks on the road in an amazing location with some good people. Yeah. So those projects were around six months long, but then I made like some profile films, um, which were more around, uh, you know, 12 minutes, uh, 12 months long. Yeah. And, um, I mean, the budgets vary depending on exactly what you want to do. But back then, like I said, I was in the heyday of kite surfing. I had amazing support from my sponsors. Crazy. And, um, I used to sell, uh, 5,000 of those movies, uh, just online as well. It was insane. And that was, I mean, you, yeah. it's the only way you could kind of get your fix back then. Yeah. So kite surfing was really new. Um, people wanted to see what was going on in all parts yeah. of the world. So we'd be, I remember being set up uh, in our kitchen, you know, each day going to the post office with just boxes <laughs> of movies and stuff. That's it was so nuts. cool, yeah. It's a diff- I mean, because for us, I mean, growing up from a surfing perspective in apartheid South Africa, right? We were, we were blocked, we were restricted. Yeah. So the only movies that we had was like someone would, someone's dad would go overseas to speak at a conference and sneak in a, yeah. a, a beta or a VHS and that's the only video you'd watch yeah. until yeah. someone else would go off because yeah. we, we didn't have any access growing up as Grommies. Yeah. So we were so limited to what you watched and you could know every word, every move, every turn. Yeah. It's a crazy era, man. So, so now you've, the surfing's started, you've done your movie projects uh, slingshot for a long time BWS <clears throat> surf was was that the next evolution for you and and or, and how did the Fiji weeks and, and the kite week start was that sort of did that happen concurrently or yeah pretty much because I think like the kite weeks that I've been running around the world for the past 10 years really evolved from me wanting to um, share kite surfing yeah so I was like okay how am I going to share this okay I'm going to make movies yeah uh, I'm going to travel around doing demos and all yep. that sort of stuff but hey, why don't I, you know, like invite people to come on trips? And I love coaching and helping people. For me, yep. it feels just as good uh, tweaking something for somebody's, you know, technique or whatever yep. that changes their whole, you know, like outlook or, yeah, yeah. or technique how to do something as what it is catching a wave myself. So I naturally had that. Yep. And I, yes, I was like, okay, I'm going to put together a trip in Bali and I'm going to open it up for 10 people and see if they want to come. And, and I did. And yeah. 10 people booked. I'm like, okay. Looks like we're going to Bali. Shit. We're going to Bali <laughs> and I'm going to show these guys how to kite surf. Yeah. And that just evolved now to these weeks that I do that have uh, 25 people on them. Nuts. And uh, 10 staff and amazing locations. Yeah. And it's just really, it's really cool. I mean, for me, it was not a business model at all. It was an accidental business, yep. I would say. Uh, still now, I don't even look at it as a business. I look at it as um, I get to go to a really cool place <laughs> with a bunch of really <laughs> like-minded people. Yep. And we go kite surfing and surfing and foiling. And it's just, yeah, I, I mean, you couldn't script that any better, no. really. I'm just so fortunate to have that. And for those people who don't know what the kite, I mean, what does a kite week look like? It's a Fiji week, so I know coming up, probably you heading off pretty much a couple of months, you're off there. So what is a, what is the structure of a week look like for, for your camps? Yeah, so the, the Fiji weeks, which we do six of uh, per year now, 25 people come on the week from all around the world, yeah. uh, super like-minded people, um, all have some type of interest in the ocean, or they're bringing their partners or friends that want to learn, yeah. you know, like one of the things that we do, whether it's foiling, supping, surfing, kiting, yeah. fishing, whatever. So you have like um, a, a really amazing group of people some people learning for the first time and some really advanced guys. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're sitting there having a beer, enjoying yeah. uh, or reflecting on what you've done that day in a beautiful part of the world. And, and you've got an amazing, from what you've told me, where it's just occupancy is not an issue, right? People fight for, for spots because it's such an amazing experience. Yeah, I mean, it's just the way the, the whole weeks have evolved. I started off with half a week. Yeah. You know, I booked the island for half a week yeah. and now we've got six. And during that time, um, without really any uh, marketing, so to speak, um, it's just been word of mouth and people experiencing and you know telling their friends. And, and yeah. now we're booked out a year in advance. It's crazy. Huge waiting list. Yeah. And you know, people, I feel bad. People are like, hey, you know, we want to come on your week or, you know, they contact yeah, us to come on someone. the week. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I feel so bad. We, yeah. we just don't have a spot, That's... you know, or the best I can do is put you on the, on the wait list. But I'm always striving to yeah. get more weeks and figure it out. And I just want everyone to experience it. Can't build a bigger island, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I mean, you also last year, you did, you did a couple of weeks in Mexico. Any other, anything sort of on the, from a trips perspective, just close that <clears> loop. Any, any other plans? Are you going, you are going back to Mexico this year? Yeah, so um, this year uh, things have changed for me quite a bit uh, from the past as I've taken on you know some more responsibility. But 
Um, so I've had to stop all my weeks around the world. Okay. Except for the ones in Fiji. Yep. And uh, there's one week in Mexico that I do because I can't not have that week every year. It's just the best week ever. So, so, that's so where, all where is that week there? It's in Punta San Carlos yep. in Mexico. Yeah, so it's in Baja, Mexico. And you're out in the desert, no communication with the rest of the world, yep. camp, perfect wave, perfect wind, good crew, beers. You're just beers. hardcore camping. Fogs. It's just amazing. Yeah, yeah. You, you feel so... You feel so disconnected, but you feel so connected and present yeah. with the people that you're there with. Epic. Yeah. And you obviously sold out a gift for this year already. That's the same deal. That, I mean, <laughs> waiting list sold out every year, and I want to continue doing that for as long as I can. So let's talk about BWS Surf, right? Um, that's obviously your kite brand bars, uh, as well as you know the, the board stuff. We'll get to the board stuff you're doing now. So when was that decision to obviously part ways with Slingshot and say, you know what, I'm going to ma- manufacture my own kites? Yeah, it was all around the same time uh, when I sort of went through that process of um, not enjoying twin tipping and wanting to get into surf. Yeah, uh, it was all around the same time. So I knew I wanted to create new products, and I had some discussions, you know, like with Slingshot about that. Yeah, and um, at the time they were unsure about the whole surf thing. It was so new, yeah. but I was like not unsure about anything (laughs) and i just felt like for me it was the right time to you know like end that journey with them and 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 start out fresh and so i just it was actually probably one of the scariest moments in my life because i was you know there was money in the bank every month yeah you know like huge contracts and um you all of a sudden not going to get that because you're stepping off to start your own thing yeah and uh that was that was super scary but i just um believed in it so much and i'm like i'm just gonna do it and so i mean how do you do i mean obviously you were obviously linked to the design and understood kites better than i ever would but i mean what is your did you get a team around you say like shit i need to build a kite now right i need to build bars now yeah um it, it was a plan for you sort of assemble a team get some funding and then go ahead or how did how did exactly that yeah i was like i you know, I know what I'm good at. I know what I want to do and I know yep. my place in the company. Yeah. So I need to get other people to do, you know, like other parts and um, I needed to raise some capital. Yeah. Uh, so I went through that whole process, which was, um, you know, still to the, to this day an amazing, you know, like learning curve. And uh, there's a lot of things I would have done differently, you know, like now, but that's yep. all hindsight, yep. right? Um, but, um, yeah, just so many life lessons, you know, like in that, but I always come back to the... Uh, you know, to the same thing that, um, you know, like I was being honest and true to myself with what I wanted to do and what I believed in. And um, I think when I'm in that place, um, all the rest of the stuff sort of figures itself out. You know, you just need to have the courage and be brave enough to to go for it if you believe in it. But um, if you don't 100% believe in it or there's something kind of you know like not right with it or there's a slight part of you doing it for the wrong reason i think that's when it can go really bad so you need to be sure yeah and you need to be not scared of failure either because you just learn so much more from all i mean that i've stuffed up so many things with my brand (laughs) and you know the whole journey along the way but you just learn so much from it you know it's it's how you take that failure right it's you, you can either beat yourself up and give up or you can say right okay well we know that doesn't work and let's pivot somewhere else. And it's really about, for me, the mindset, and I always keep going back to foiling where I've failed a lot learning, right? But it's, it's as much as it sucks at the time, that just that just helps you shop and sort to get better. Totally. You know, and, and, and when you do get there and you do actually yeah. nut it, it's like, oh, shit, it's, yeah. all that pain and anguish yeah. is worth it. it. It makes it so much sweeter too. Yeah. You know, like it's not like you feel like, I love challenges. That's like one of the biggest things in my life. Yeah. It's like, hey, I want, I'm in. You know, yeah. like if it's a challenge, I'm in. It's just my nature. But um, if you, if it's all too easy, it just feels like it's been handed to yeah. you. It's le- that's at least how I feel anyway. I love, you know, like you referenced the foiling thing. We've been going through that same thing um, together, learning. And I mean, you know, like it's just so humbling. Yeah. And it just makes you learn a lot about yourself makes things um or puts things in perspective and um i just think it just makes you you know so much stronger and and braver moving forward i mean that's where i've been i've been so i mean let's just pivot to the foiling thing a lot a lot of what i want to do with with the program i'm putting together is for guys who you know as i 
say have suddenly got a lot more time on their hands because they don't have their kids full time. You know, anything that you wanted to do, say you wanted to play a guitar, say you wanted to flipping do ever, you can you can do it, right? It's 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 scary as shit and it's frustrating. And I've been very lucky where I've had both learning how to kite surf and learning how to foil in like an eighteen month window. But the reward once you come through the other side and actually nail it, will nail it to my ability. It's just it's it's nuts, man. It really gives you that in every aspect of your life, it gives you a bit of chi, you know, and that swagger that like, should I actually can do this? Yeah. And for the guys who generally listen to this podcast, they're in a dark space. Uh, and if you can just see it through, man. Yeah, I think it's one of the best things, you know, to get yourself out of that dark place. Like any anybody that tells me they can't do something for whatever excuse it is, I'm just like, hey, I run kite weeks. Yeah. I have 50, 60, 70 year old people join on these yeah. weeks to learn how to kite surf for the first time, to learn how to surf for the first time. Yeah. Don't ever tell me <laughs> something is not possible. Soon as you start making excuses yeah. or whatever, you're limiting yourself and um, you just don't know, like go and try it and you might connect with it, you might yeah. not, but there's so many things out there to try. If you've got the time to do it, why wouldn't you? Yeah, I've got a, a good French mate of mine, uh, Olivier. His parents learned to kite surf at 65. It's crazy. It's nuts. How it's inspirational so, it's is that? It's so good. God, it's yeah. so good. I, I, I know some crew that are 85 years old yeah. kiting. And I'm and when I see them, I'm, I tell them every time, like, when I'm 85, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to be, be doing exactly <laughs> what you're doing. You are a legend. It's yeah. so inspirational. And um, I just think, you know, you've got you've to go for it. So for you as a, as a personal experience, learning how to foil, um, must have been pretty riveting learning something new, right? Because from the outside in, you've pretty much mastered your craft and, and just coming back to being a kook, for those who don't surf, that's just a complete beginner. How, how, how frustrating and rewarding has that process been? It's, um, it's been both. <laughs> it's been both. It, it's funny, actually. I, the first time I ever tried to foil... Yeah. was actually with a kite. So you can foil and kite at the yeah. same time. We mostly surf like you would surfing. Yeah. And um, it was during one of my weeks and one of my clients had brought a foil board and he had it on the beach and I was about to do a kite, uh, a coaching session. <laughs> and I had 10 minutes, right? And I'm like, hey, I've seen him riding the board. I'm like, yeah. I'm just going to quickly jump on that board and go out and just do a couple of runs and see what it feels like. I know this doesn't end well. <laughs> I never went further than three metres at a time without just falling flat on my face and I came in after that 10 minutes and I was so humiliated <laughs> I was just like are you kidding me and then I didn't do it again <laughs> and uh, I, I, I mean there was definitely that but also too the timing wasn't yep. you know right with me and everything yep. I had a lot of stuff going on and I, I was watching it and I was like I'm, I'm gonna get into it and then I remember the first day I tried it again which was maybe you know like two years later I'd yep. say um, in the surf and I remember being out there going I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do this <laughs> it was that hard and I was just you know it was just so humbling yeah um, but at the same time um, I was just getting all these feelings of just um, you know like it, it's something it's something new and I know if I want to do it I can do it yeah you know so I had that drive and I wasn't limiting myself and a week later you know I was up and going yeah. and I was just like addicted yeah it was just the best feeling ever but when you learn something when you're uh, older in life versus being a kid or whatever yeah. you process process things differently yep i mean how many um, times are you lying there at night just running through the yeah. scenarios but like oh yeah you overthink yeah <laughs> you overthink everything and so you can be your own worst yep. enemy you know and i got some great tips from some people and they're just you know just stuff like just relax just do it don't think about it you know all the usual stuff, yeah, um, yeah. but it really, um, it really meant so much more and gave me so much perspective to be able to learn something later in life because I've just been so committed yep. to all the other things um, that I've been doing, and um, yeah, it's just a humbling experience and it feels yep. amazing at the end of the day. You've got to have those lows yep. to be able to enjoy the heights, yep. you know. And um, <laughs> I mean, there were some days where I just came in so sore bruises from hitting the board and everything like that just made it <laughs> made it yeah. so rewarding at the end yeah epic so so you know moving on to sort of you know i guess the power of the mind and a bit of mental toughness stuff now you've been known to to like the big stuff when it comes to the kite and the wave 
how, how do you, and I'll put some links up to the show notes if no one knows what I'm talking about, but how do you, you know, when you know it's on and CloudRate's going to be a bazillion times overhead, what, what is your, your sort of mental toughness going into that or your mindset? I mean, how do, you, how do you prepare? Obviously, it's physically prepare for that, but just mentally, you know, be ready to know that when you've got to go over the edge, you're going to go over the edge. Um, mm. Because once again, for the, my typical audience, being mentally tough and going over the edge and doing new things is, is important. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really good question and I, I really sort of live my life um, the same as how I would go out and big surf. Yeah. Um, I'm super calculated. Um, I love, uh, what I love, let's say, for example, about big surf is it's just so exhilarating. You feel out of your comfort zone. You feel like you're um, dealing with something so much greater than what you are in yep. the form of the ocean and the power and the energy. And, you know, there's all these, you know, like super attractive things to it. But then there's the fear. And the fear comes in the form of your mind. Yeah. And for me, the first thing is um, with big waves, you need to be prepared. You know, like if, if I'm not prepared physically, yeah. for example, you know, like I haven't been training or whatever, then that puts fear into my mind. And then I'll go out and I'll um, hesitate and I'll yeah. make the wrong decisions. And he- you, I mean, hesitation is costly. Hesitation is your worst enemy, <laughs> you know, because as soon as you hesitate, yep. before you've even got time to think about that hesitation, yep. you've put yourself in a bad situation. Yep. And that's, you know, like with a lot of things in life yep. as well, you know. So, so I want to be physically, uh, in my mind, I'm always prepared in my mind because I've done a lot of that yep. um, training. Everything's about your mind, you know, calming your body down breathing yep. understanding you know the process of what's going to go on when you're held down you know like really deep i'm gonna get beaten here badly um but yeah when i'm when i'm not physically prepared yep. um that's when i'd make bad decisions and um i would be going out there for me i'd if, if i wasn't physically prepared and the surf was big and i went out there and tried to tackle it i'd be going out there for the wrong reasons it'd yep. be maybe more about my ego yeah hey my friends are there i've got to do it yeah uh, I'm not in that place anymore. Okay. I make my own decisions, what's best for me, because uh, I've sort of gone through that process. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm super calculated. And um, with this type of thing, you need, for me, if I want to keep chasing big waves, you always need to be, be prepared because you don't know when it's going to happen. Exactly right. right yeah. So it takes a lot of dedication. You've got to be fit, healthy, yeah. Yeah. and ready to roll when... The, when uh, yeah. When it's on, it's on, it's on. Yeah. So, so from a physical preparation, I mean, what is your, you know, your routine? For me, um, the best thing to keep fit is just being in the ocean. Yeah. You know, whether it's um, surfing, foil boarding, kite surfing, just for me being active. Yeah. Um, the other thing um, that I really enjoy and I do a lot of um, is Pilates. Yeah. It's for me, it's just incredible for the body. You know, like it opens up, strengthens, you know, like every part of me and I feel so confident yep. after doing that. And then our breath breath hold training. So so just touch on that. Which which, which breath hold work do you do? Do you do Mark's course or? Yeah, so Mark Visser. Uh, I've actually trained with a lot of really yep. amazing people. Um, I've trained with this guy, uh, Nam Baldwin, who also... He's- Goldie, right? Yeah, Gold so gesture. he's also worked with Mark. Yeah. Uh, but Mark and I are really good friends. Um, but I don't do his stuff because we're good friends. Yep. I do his stuff because his stuff is the best. Yeah. Like his um, course is amazing. All the all the best big wave surfers around the world are using it, and he's just so articulate at breaking stuff down. Yeah. And making you understand um, the power of the mind. Yep. And how to process that. Yeah. Um, so it's really cool. So, I mean, for, for me, because I was I bought Mark's course as well, is that I you know, got into Wim Hof years ago and breath work's important just to calm you, you mm. know, just from a day-to-day, right? Just to breathe yeah. properly and calm. But what I, what I, you know, I can, yeah, I can lie and hold my breath for five minutes. That's cool. But if you're getting held down, you know, 15 seconds, you think you're going to sit you think you're going to drown whereas mm. Mark's course resonated to an actual surfing experience mm. you know all the stuff is done like doing burpees holding your breath it's all very very relative and transfers it's a skill transfer for mm. when you're getting flogged mm. which I thought is unique and I haven't seen anything else like that yeah yeah no it is really cool and the first time I done breath hold training for me was oh, I want to hold my breath because I want to charge big waves or whatever yeah. um, but I actually found it more uh, beneficial to my everyday 
life. Yeah. You know, like whether it's making a business decision. Yep. You know, like whether you're, you know, having relationship issues or dealing with kids yep. or, you know, like confronting moments or whatever. You learn how to breathe through it. You learn how to understand and you, yep. you learn how important breathing correctly is and how much it can enhance and help your life. I've actually, it's, it's one of the chapters in a module of mine is breathwork. Perfect. Just for dudes who get like that shitty yeah. text and they're like, you know, just... I didn't even know how to breathe. <laughs> no, 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 most people don't. Before I started doing it, like yeah, I didn't nuts. even know what my diaphragm was <laughs> or anything. And then once I started learning yeah. all that, I was like, oh my God, you know, like you're about to have a fight with your wife or something. You just a couple of breaths. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. So talking about cool experiences, um, don't know if you can or can't talk about this, but I know you got... The opportunity to go to Kelly's wave pool, WSA <laughs> wave pool, which which all the boys you had massive FOMO. I mean, how was that experience? It's you know from what what we see, googling or drooling at our t- at our laptops, it's the best. You know how how was that? I mean, all in all. Yeah, I mean, um, I I was really fortunate to go to the wave park with uh, a few amazing people yeah. um, that I work and travel with and. And it was just, for me, honestly, probably one of the best days of my life. That's, that's... It, it was just the wave itself, but the whole experience and just seeing, you know, like modern technology of, you know, like something we used to draw yeah. on our books at school. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was the, you know, the pool itself, the people I was with, yeah. you know, just the whole day and the whole experience was just unbelievable. And uh, for anyone, um, you know, who's watching this and has, has been fortunate enough to get a barrel or a tube ride in surfing, yeah. this thing is just next level. You just sit in it, you go a little bit faster, a little bit slower, and it just feels like time stops and you yeah. go forever and you're just looking out this perfect funnel. For me, that's always been um, the best thing about surfing and um, yeah. just to experience it there was amazing. That's epic, man. So just another thing in terms of, once again, you know, the typical audience here, you obviously spend a lot of time away from, from, from Lauren and the kids, uh, you know, Ben's got an amazing family. He's a great dad, but obviously, you know, th- through the through the the lifestyle, he's away a lot. So, so what coping mechanisms do you use when you know, obviously, away from the girls, missing them? Um, you know, a lot of guys are in this situation where you know, like for me, that was the hardest. Where suddenly you've got a busy house and then an empty house. You know, you stuck on an island somewhere. What have you used? You know, obviously, because now with modern technology, it's a bit easier with FaceTime and Skype. But in the early days, what what's, what strategies did you have you put in place just to you make sure that you were okay? Yeah, so I, I've been with my wife um, for 15 years now, yeah. and she's an amazing person, super independent, and I've always been this way yeah. uh, since the beginning. So it's kind of what we both know. Yeah. We don't know any different. Yeah. Um, but it just, I think um, for me, what gets me through it is that um, she's so amazing with the situation yeah you know like she doesn't ever make me feel bad or she just 100 percent supports it i travel with a lot of guys yeah right and their girl is on the other end you know like calling and whinging (laughs) and and whining it seriously ruins their trips yeah okay so you go away for a two-week trip they can't even enjoy it because they know what they're going to deal with when they get home even the lead up to it and while yeah. they're there, it just makes it, you know, not worth it. And um, I, I'm so fortunate that I've never had to experience that. Yeah. And I would say my time away from home is is made the way that it is because of Lauren. Nice. Um, and I just don't have that yeah. added pressure. Yeah. And um, the other thing is, which we've had for quite a long time, is Skype. So my yeah. kids thought I lived in the computer for like three years because <laughs> that's all, you know, yeah. they just see yeah. me in the computer or see me talking to my wife on the computer. Um, so having that is just a, yeah. you know, like a huge, you know, a huge thing. And um, all of our, all of my friends um, that we travel with and whatever, you know, you've got FaceTime and WhatsApp and yeah. Skype or whatever. It's always, you know, just a couple of moments with your kid. It puts you in the right headspace. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it just be, hey, you, you, you might only have 30 seconds or a minute, yep. you know, before they're doing something or whatever, but just to see them and quickly say hi. Yeah. Um, you know, that's that's everything. And um, not having two longer trips away. Yeah. Uh, for me, uh, one week's perfect. Two weeks, I start missing them. Yeah. But it's okay. Yeah. Three weeks is, 
you know, like you'll do it because you've got to do it work-wise yeah. or whatever, but four weeks, you just start, okay, yeah, it's too much. You, yeah. miss, you miss too much. So I've really, um, because of my lifestyle, I've really become good at managing my time yeah. and really sort of planning and understanding, you know, what works for us. And Hence this mm-hmm. podcast being that delayed till Cyclone Omar can come through. Who yeah. <laughs> <laughs> are like, no, no. The wind's blowing, the waves, this can wait. Priorities, right? <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's like, a, I mean, yesterday we were foiling and I was like, oh, I think it's going to be good at one o'clock tomorrow. We can't, we can't record. Because <laughs> Ben's like, yeah, no, we're not recording. Right? <laughs> I was too sore to go today. I'm so sore. Classic. So, yeah, I mean, I just, it, this, what I haven't recovered, the boards, I know you're fanatical about boards and board design and all that stuff and have worked with DHD closely mm. from what I understand, got some models through him doing some other stuff so do you want to just touch on the boards and fin perspective I know that's from what I know you absolutely love that aspect of it yeah I do I'm not good at it technically I don't I know what I want as the end result yeah and that's why I put myself with such amazing people you know like DHD or uh, you know any of our designers um, because I know they're going to deliver the best of the best. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm just trying to translate to them, you know, like what I feel and what yeah. I like in the water. Yeah. And then hopefully they come up with the design. Uh, but there's no better feeling than playing around with new stuff like yeah. that, right? You know, that's for me is the best feeling. You know, you get a new board, you've tried something new and you're like, okay, I'm going to go out in the water. And, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty good office to go out and see if something works. Yeah. So there, there might be some kite testing this afternoon if the wind kicks there, in. There's going to be some form of testing this afternoon. <laughs> so yeah, that's the, that's the fun side of having uh, the kite business. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah, just, I guess, where can people find you? Wrap up. What's, what's, what's your... What's what's on the cards for you? I guess another thing is, I know it's really come through strong about your you know your your passion and your focus. But I guess a how do you keep that focus? You know, for me, you know, from the outside in, you've obviously and as a friend of yours, you've achieved so many amazing things. And but how do you keep that drive and passion? And then what's next for Ben Wilson and crew? Yeah, I mean, first of all, the drive and passion. I mean, I just can't sit still. I got to do yeah. stuff. And um, if I'm doing stuff that I love, yeah. I'm just super passionate about it and I want to put in 110%, you know, so I'm just, that's just who I am. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, anyone in life has just got to find, you know, what they love and what they're passionate about and go do it. You know, just know that there's no limits. You can do whatever you want. Don't listen to what anybody else says. Yep. Go with what your gut feeling is and give it your all. Don't ever half-ass do something. Yeah. For me, um, these days, I'm actually uh, really connected in Fiji. Um, I'm working with an island over there, and um, it's really taking a lot of my time at the moment. I'm super passionate about it. I just want people to come over and have the best week of their life. So I'm just spending all my time trying to make that, you know, perfect. And um, I really see that as sort of a long-term plan at the moment, and I'm going to put a lot of energy into it and... So that's Nomotu, obviously. Nomotu um, Island in Fiji. Talk about the family weeks that you just released. Yeah, so we've got um, a, a lot of amazing stuff uh, going on this week, uh, this year in Fiji and in the future. We're doing a lot of specialty weeks. Yeah. Um, family weeks, so you yeah. can bring your kids. Foil weeks. Yeah. Is there a tequila, <laughs> week? Is there a tequila week? We're working on that one. <laughs> um, yeah, but foil weeks, so you yeah. can come and learn to foil or Sweet. foil some of the best waves in the world if yeah. you're already a foiler. Uh, kite kite weeks, which we've been doing for a really long time. Uh, sup weeks, fishing weeks. Yeah. Look, our resort is all about the it's the ultimate blue water sports resort. Yep. Come join us, and you can do whatever you want, and it's like A grade. Yeah. Um, so that's what we're all about, and I'm just trying to you know make that whole experience the best it possibly can be for people when they come and join us. Sweet. And the product side, anything exciting coming up? Any pre-release stuff we know can know about? There's always stuff in the works. Um, this year, I feel like it's a really exciting year for BW Surf because we've got a lot of cool technologies yeah. uh, coming out and some really great designs. Um, I've just got a few in my garage at the moment, which I'm going to go try this afternoon, which I'm excited about. But we've always got stuff um, going on. We want to be at the forefront of innovating yeah. stuff for the surf. Yep. So I've got a really amazing team across the world working on this stuff, and I get it gets sent to me when yep. they get it to a place where they're happy um, to try it. So yep. I'm really lucky to experience that. So I'm, I'm trying to give uh, Ben names for his kite brands, which he, he keeps refusing all of them. <laughs> they're probably not PG, but anyway, I, I'll, I'll try. Maybe one day, if I'm lucky, I'll, I'll get a brand name up. 
Highly unlikely. <laughs> yeah, probably. And where can people find you? I know you're not a big Insta person, but it's BWS Surf. What, what do you, you know, where the handles? I'll put it all in the show notes. But how do people reach out to you? How do people connect with Nomoto Island? What's the best channel? Yeah, you'll find me on Nomoto Island. <laughs> <laughs> on Skype? Yeah, on Skype. Yeah. Or, or at home here on the Sunshine Coast. Um, but yeah, otherwise, uh, Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I have my crew posting content and stuff cool. regularly. and. Uh, keep up to date that way you can always reach out to us that way which is cool. uh, yeah probably the easiest and I'll put links up to the island to BW Surf to yeah. Benny's Instagram everything I'll link it all up so cool yeah if people want to stalk you come join us yes so Ben thank you so much for, for, for joining I mean it's, it's, it's great to hear your story and your, your passion is inspiring to all of us and all your friends who live around you so keep doing what you're doing and, and thanks so much from, from me sincerely for the support for my new project I really appreciate it yeah, thanks for having me. And, you know, for everybody out there, just uh, dream big. Yeah. You know, like just go for it and don't ever be limited by anything. Anything's possible. And um, just love it and enjoy it and go for it. Sweet. Let's go karting. Let's do it. Cheers. <laughs>